Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, and share with a friend. And it wasn't just all ladies working. There was a lot of, like, trainers there that trained, like, bottle service girls. And there was, there was, there was a lot of, a lot a of lot girls. A lot of good-looking girls, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And I remember... And you Foster, were single then, Tim, right? You were single? Yes, I was single okay. then. Okay, good. Yeah. Just so I know. Yeah. No, so I remember yeah, walking, through the, walking through the gym, and him and Waz <laughs> looking around, they're like... <laughs> And I remember looking at him, I'm like, okay, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. it was like, uh, I'm like, all right, cool, I got these guys, you know, and I'm like, they're going to train here. I'll come back tomorrow. Yeah, no, it it was literally like all the girls that work like till four in the morning at the clubs, like they were training (laughs) at the studio, right? So it was just like, they were still wearing like the same outfit. It was like, what is, you know. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going to town. That'll be a suspension. That'll be a fine. Alive, I'm 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 not dead. Hey, Brian, how's it going, man? Good. How you doing? Good. Chris, and obviously you know Tim, and we would like to welcome you to the Raw Knuckles podcast, and we don't pull no fucking punches here, and, <laughs> and I want to get right to it. I want to get right to it. You're a personal trainer. You train some NHL players. Awesome stuff. Was Tim a lazy fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right into it. No, he was not. He was not a lazy fuck. <laughs> No, quite, I mean, quite I, the I opposite. showed up, you know, I was on time. Yep. I might have worked yep. out for like more for like, you know, going to Vegas reasons than like getting ready for training camp. But I was always on time. Right, Brian? Oh, yeah. Early. <laughs> early. Early. In early, out early. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Welcome, <laughs> welcome again to the show, Brian. Uh, listen, uh, growing up, first of all, obviously you train some of the uh, best players in the NHL. Growing up, did you play hockey and... And how was your experience playing hockey, and and why did you get into personal training? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a big question. So, I have kind of um, my brothers are all half brothers. Um, my parents ha- had me pretty young, so I didn't really didn't start playing organized sports until I was like ten, between like nine and twelve years old. And uh, I remember originally Commons, uh, Buster. You remember originally Commons? Um, took me to a public skate one time and my dad was, you know, pretty typical Irish father, uh, brought me to the side, put me on the boards with these old skates, Bobby Hall probably wore and took off. Uh, and I remember watching him buzz around the rink and I was like, it was the first time in my life. I, I was like, at least, you know, being 10, nine, 10 years old, I was like, I'm going to, I want to learn how to do this. I was watching him skate around. I just kept falling, falling, falling. And, um, it kind of turned into like my babysitting. He dropped me off, uh, and I just started public skating. And then actually it's, I don't know, Buster, you even know this, but I remember, uh, I was watching an Eagles practice, uh, and you, your brother were playing. Um, and I saw kids playing and I mean, Buster was this tiny little guy flying around out there. And, uh, I went home, I asked my dad, I said, let's, I want to play hockey. And, um, uh, signed up for the, uh, like the house league program there. And my brothers were, Oh, like probably two and three. Um, and then they, they started playing right away too. Um, at the time. So probably like four or five years old. 
And uh, yeah, I could skate pretty well, but I was terrible with the puck. And um, so I, I think I was able to hide, uh, you know, not being that good of a player because uh, I could skate. So I was able to kind of make, uh, you know, travel team and high school varsity. And then, uh, but I, that's about as much as I played. I did a little bit of college and, and that was it. But my brothers were uh, uh, like Timmy, um, exceptional players. They uh, played triple A juniors, went on to play college and pro. Um, and that's that's kind of how I got into into training was was through them. What did you start working? You know, training your brothers. Is that it? When they yeah, I think growing up, I was cool. I was a lot older than them, so it was kind of always uh, me be- beating on them. I mean, I could see how good they were. I mean, they were my, especially my my brother Patrick. Uh, he was just you know he's one of those little phenoms. Um, you know, hundred points a season, and you know, uh, playing peewee, you know, squirt peewee, hundred. 150 points and my other brother was similar and um you know roller hockey in the summer we played baseball we just kind of became a sports family my dad uh you know started to make more money and we you know I guess more of a a normal family than than what I was used to you know from you know growing up to about 10 years old um and it was just it was all out with hockey like all all three of us weren't uh, you in didn't you get into like fighting though like boxing and stuff yeah, later. Yeah, after after uh, college, you know, the, well, my short stint in college that was about a month long. Uh, I just wanted to compete in something, um, so I started going to see Ray Pace in the South Side of Chicago and learned how to box and got my ass whipped. Uh, that's that, but that was probably the extent of it. I mean, I spar a lot and stuff like through my early twenties, but that was it. But as far as training, you know. Um, my brother, uh, when he was in college, so we would, you know, we'd work out in the summertime. And, like, back then, no one did off ice. You know, we, we I always yeah. joke with these kids, like, we threw rocks at each other in the summer. Like, that was off ice training, you know. And, uh, you know, we played football and baseball, rolled down hills. And, you know, now all these kids have personal trainers like like me. Um, but we'd go to the gym. We'd work out. And my brother got into college. It was a pretty rude awakening on, you know, how – little we knew about training and how out of shape he was going in there because he just really dominated juniors and he you know chose to stay at western michigan and and really 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 got into training and uh when he turned pro um i was a cement mason in my my early 20s i was a construction worker so i was uh, actually gino paisolini buster i don't even remember yeah i remember remember gino he he played he's a little younger than you um I was kind of a, a trouble, troubled youth, so his father got me in the union, and uh, I was a cement mason, like kind of through my brother's college career. Uh, both my brothers, my one brother's playing D three, and um, right around oh six or seven, uh, I think that was the year, right, Tim, when you were uh, with the Wolves or coming back. Two thousand, that was two thousand ten, but together. I do know, I remember that call. But you were, you were. Yeah, that was 2010. So yeah, that was the first year then. Yeah, it wasn't even that long ago. Um, so the year before that, my brother trained with Rob Rasmus, the uh, the strength coach for the Chicago Wolves, and he was telling me all about it, how great it was, and you know how hard the workouts were, and just how different it was. And uh, the economy at the same time was tanking, big time, and it wasn't a lot of construction work. Uh, so I was. Uh, you know, laid off a lot um, and I'm working out a lot because there's not a lot to do when you're laid off construction worker. Um, and I kind of got the idea that after that first summer with him, I was like, hey, why don't we uh, 
see if we can get some pro guys. There was, uh, you know, train them in the summer. And this is before I, I, you know, met Buster or reconnected with Buster. And um, I was working out of like a personal, I found a, I found a personal trainer's gym in Chicago, Hi-Fi Fitness. And uh, it's, it's kind of a funny story. We, uh, so I, I would like train like, you know, girls there and stuff on the side. And uh, just like, like people that wanted to box or, it was just like a side job and you get paid cash. And then that summer, you know, my brother had an ex phys degree and uh, I kind of thought he knew something, you know, graduate from college and really he knew nothing at all about training, which none of these kids that graduate from college with ex phys degrees know anything. Um, so he had this like program from Western Michigan and we had some of Rob's stuff that he did the year before. And we got a couple East Coast League players, uh, Brock Shelgren, I can be honest with you. I don't even remember who the other guy was. Uh, and uh, it was me. A couple, one junior player, Luke Sandler. And uh, yeah. you remember Luke? And um, yeah. I don't even remember how it happened, Buster. How we reconnected, but I don't know if you called, you called me or me. I called you. You called me out of the blue, and you were like, "Hey, yeah. can I like train you?" And I was like, "Well, what do you you know like what do you, you're a trainer?" You're like, "Well, I'm a construction worker or something." I don't know. It's kind <laughs> of you know, and then. And then you trained, I was telling Nux this before you came on, then we kind of, this hi-fi gym he's talking about, Nux, was like a, it was a personal training gym. So if you could picture, like, here I am, like, training for the upcoming season and, like, some seven-year-old lady next to me with another personal trainer, like, you know, was, like, trying to do the same workouts I was doing. It was, like, it was hard to work out there, you know? And so it was just, like, a public kind of personal training gym, but you know, I was telling them, uh, Brian, that like it started with me and Waz, Andy Wozniewski. And then like, obviously today you got probably how many clients? I mean, this is not even working at the U.S. program. This is like well, your, your program well, in Chicago. I have a funnier version of that story. So Buster asked me on the phone because I remember the phone call. Where is it at? And I was at, like Orleans or whatever. You're like, oh, I, I live right by there. And so he comes over <laughs> to see it. And I'm walking them through and it wasn't just all ladies working. There was a lot of like trainers there that trained like bottle service girls. And there was, there was, there was a lot of, a lot a of lot girls. Of looking the girls yeah. and, oh yeah. And I remember. And you Buster, were single then Tim, right? You were single. Yes. I was single okay. then. Okay. Good. Yeah. Just so I know. Yeah. No, so I remember yeah, walking was... through the, walking through the gym and him and Waz looking around. They're like, and I remember <laughs> looking at awesome. him and I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like, uh, I'm like, I got, right, I cool. I got these guys, you know? And I'm like, they're going to train here. I'll come back tomorrow. Yeah, no, it, I'm nuts. it was literally like all the girls that work like till four in the morning at the clubs, yeah. like they were training at the gym, right? So it was just like they were still oh, wearing yeah. like the same outfit. It was like, what is, you know, it so was, it was my crazy. brother had a little apartment in Oak Park and uh, I call him on my way home and I'm like, hey, I got good news and bad news. And he's like, what is it? I'm like, good news is I got two NHL guys. I go, bad news is we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God. And uh, I went to his little did, apartment. Yeah. It was a loft, like in an apartment, uh, someone's home. And we're up, I mean, we were up to like two in the morning. Cause like, we're looking at this program Buster gave me. That was like, a, he's in a phase three. I don't even know what a phase one is. And we're looking through it and we're like, what we could add to it, you know, to kind of make it look like we know what we're doing. And, uh, they, they come in to work out first day and they put mini bands around their knees and they, they're they're doing all this glute activation stuff, which now I've been through the education, so I know. And and Pat elbows me, and he's like, "Hey, what are they doing?" I'm like, "I don't know." And I'm like, "Just let them <laughs> Just keep act doing." Like we know. And you're yeah. like, and, you, and you Buster looks at me, and he goes, "Is this right? Is this right?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, keep oh, doing yeah. it, keep doing it." <laughs> <laughs> it 
<laughs> that's it's, kind of how it started, man. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Listen, I, I'll never be comfortable calling him Busta. Because to me, <laughs> fucking Busta Stapleton sounds like a guy that should have fucking 304 minutes in penalties in one season. And, I was fighting and, and for the Lady is, Bing every year. <laughs> that's yeah. not happening. And too bad when I think you trained him, too bad you couldn't fucking stretch him to make him a little taller. <laughs> we tried. Uh, he, we tried. Yeah, but, he did try. Uh, again, it, it's funny. I was talking a little earlier <clears throat> with Tim. Now, back when I played, we, you know, Fuck, I came back to training camp two weeks before training camp, and we'd skate. I would rollerblade in the summer um, before it was popular. Um, I remember Mike Boyle, near the end of my career, over at Boston University, started training some guys. But I'd go over there and skate, and fuck, I wasn't going to the gym afterwards. I was too long in the tooth on there. I ain't getting nothing out of that. And, I, I, I listen, I think there's a lot of good in training, obviously. I think I don't... I think you can overtrain too, but I, I one thing I wanted to ask you, and, and I, I talked to Pacioretty last week after he tore his Achilles. This is not fucking basketball; it's hockey. They're doing fucking running drills. Here's a fucking million dollar athlete, you know, a goal scorer, going to a new team, and they're doing fucking sprint things, and he tears his Achilles tendon. Like I, I think that's just fucking crazy. Like, you want to skate? Fine. You want to lift weights, ride the bike? I get it. But those running things, I think it's fucking crazy. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I heard what happened. Um, I heard about how it happened, you know, secondhand, so I I don't know exactly what it was. Um, But I I think there's value to running. Um, I think if I'm, you know, training a, a player like him that's been a, a 15-year veteran. I, I don't really understand the rationale of bringing him in midsummer to do testing on anything. Um, I know he trains with Ben Prentice, who's, you know, one of the best in the world. Um, I'm sure he's pretty pissed off. Uh, yeah, I don't understand that. I think testing – I just had this argument with uh, one of my coaches actually here. Um, you need to test what matters, you know, and I think testing for – in hockey, it's tricky because we do have to do it. You know, it's something we need to do. Um, and I think it's something that for us, you know, I can only talk about what we do here is it's evolved, right? And I mean, when I was training Buster, like we didn't test anything. He um, just came in and worked out. And, you know, bench press, you know, max deadlift, things like that. Um, you know, now it's way different. It's like we, you know, we do a table assessment. Um, we have a force plate. We're lucky to have that. So we do a couple jumps and that's it. it. I think it needs to be done on the ice. We do our conditioning tests on the ice. Um, and, you know, with hockey players, like they, they can't run. And, and we don't have time in the summer to teach them how to run. And I th- there's some value to having them run for sure. As far as like, you know, getting their ankle mobility back, strengthening the ankles, strengthening the feet because their feet get really weak. Um, but to have them do change the direction, I'm always very, very leery of that. Um, and, and I know they do the 5-10-5 at the Combine. Um, we don't do it all year. We test a 10-meter sprint straight away. They don't hit the brakes. They decelerate. Because um, that's a test that matters. That's a that's the closest thing you can get to first three steps, right? So yeah. a quick 10-meter sprint. You know, everybody tries to beat Quinn Hughes because no one can beat him. Uh, Buster always had a, a really qu- good first three step, but – yeah, it's yeah, dangerous, it and obviously something like that happened. It's, it's terrible, you know. It's uh, it's it's, it's terrible. I, I feel really bad for him. 
Yeah, it's a drag uh, when you hear that. No question about it. So uh, today, you're training today after, t what, 10 years now. Um, how, I guess, how are some of your techniques changed from that, say, first year when you didn't know too much and then you get going? How have they evolved with the game? Like, because the game has changed somewhat. Not changed, but it has changed. Wide open speed, more... Yeah blah 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 so uh, how, how are your techniques changed i mean I, they're they're different now this year than they were last year like that's how much it's, it's changed i mean like you know when what first summer working with with buster uh you know back then it was a very traditional like four day split you know upper body one day lower body another day wednesday off uh recovery we would do boxing uh, and then upper body, lower body again. And we trained like football players, you know, it was very much bodybuilding, right? And, you yeah. know, the 90s, early 2000s, a player, you could see it in the game, the players are built that way, they're big. Um, it's it's changed dramatically. I mean, a lot of our players now, it's it's much more individualized now, like, because our testing is elite. Um, we run a, like a semi-private model uh, that's, we individualize things for, for everyone. Um, so there's guys that live four days a week, there's guys that live three you know, uh, Jake McCabe's a player I've had for a long time that's older. I think, you know, his, you know, I don't work with him now. He works with my brother, but there's summers where, you know, two days a week is enough for him. And I think, you know, I've learned more from my players than any book uh, I ever, ever could read or certification. And I think listening to them, I mean, Buster was at, he trained at uh, AP, Athletes Performance, you know, like or now it's Exos. Like these guys have been everywhere and done everything. Um, I think, you know, the more I learned from them uh, has really helped me evolve with our, our coaching. I mean, I think there's Maddie Nichols said something that stuck with me a while back was like, you know, it's getting these guys to do the same simple things at work, you know, squat, split squat, deadlift, but also adding in variety and, and making it fun. Uh, but yeah, it's changed dramatically. I mean, it's much more power focused, speed focused. Uh, we're not, I think, you know, I'm at the program now with uh, the national development team. So I work with a lot of young players in that like 15 to 18 range that are still bodybuilding, that are still trying to get bigger and stronger. Um, I think we're, what we've learned over the last, at least in my time here, what I've learned is you, they kind of get to a point where they're strong enough. And now it's just about power and speed. Like, can you get a guy that's slow fast? Because the game is so fast. Like it just, it has changed. I, I 100% agree with you. And the, I think it's almost changed the other way where like, oh, there's, you know, where there's all this room for smaller players, you know, like yeah. I disagree with that. I think the bigger guys were like, screw this, like we're going to do this too. You know, yeah. you're not seeing these guys 220 anymore. You got these guys that are 6'4", 208 that can move, you know, like they can yeah. move like Buster used to be able to move. Uh, or maybe you still can move like that. Now, yeah, you're know. making but, me. Well, um, apparently he can because he wanted to play in the fucking three on three league. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I'm still looking so for my equipment. So apparently he can. But uh... <laughs> as most of you know, I'm a dog person. I have a St. Bernard. Her name is Adele. Why do I feed Adele formula raw? Because I love her. I want to provide her with a healthy, well-balanced, locally sourced diet. A diet that consists of meat, chicken, fish, mixed with fruits and vegetables that her 140 pounds requires. I also feed her Formula Raw because it helps her overall energy, 
It helps her with allergies and helps strengthen her overall immune system. Dimitri and Nick at Formula Raw have worked tirelessly over the last 10 years to perfect their recipe, and they've got it because you know how I know? Adele loves it. She never, never misses a meal, and she's a healthy, big, beautiful St. Bernard. Brian, like what, like, no, I think what, what are you, what are you concerned as a, as a trainer though? Like, are you actually thinking, and, and this is not, you know, obviously this is a question for you, but just in general with trainers, like, do you think as a trainer, like, are you guys thinking like, will you have, um, an effect on the actual player's game? like on the ice or are you just really concerned about longevity? Like what is, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of trainers I feel like out there that are, that take a lot of credit um, where I don't think credit should be due. Cause you know, they claim like, Oh, he scored 50 goals. Cause he trained with me. And it's like, I don't like, I mean, I don't know. Do you feel like you could have that effect on an actual player's play of the game as a trainer? I no, I, I, I 100% agree with you. And I, I think I've said this, multiple times because I deal with a lot of these kids now that watch these guys on Instagram, right? Like, and they do all this fancy stuff on Instagram, you know, that the stuff that's sexy and looks cool, yeah. uh, speed ladders and all these at plyos and all this crap. Like, yeah, that stuff's good. But like, come on, man. Like Patrick Kane, like come on. He, he, guy could jump rope all summer. He's still going to put up a hundred goals. Like, and I, and I think with the, with the program, I got to see this firsthand. Like as much as, you know, growing up, we all talk smack about the program kids because we all got cut. Everybody got cut. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's guys here that are different, you know, and uh, I, I won't tell them that to their faces. If they hear this, they're going to know that. But there's a few guys genetically can do things that, that other guys can't. Um, I think to me what the weight room is all about is like let's figure out what God gave you and how do you make the most of it so you can compete against those guys, right? Like – like Connor McDavid, like, what are you going to do when he's coming at you? Like, uh, pray? Like, Shit he's yourself. better than you. He can process information <laughs> yeah. faster than, than everybody else, too. I think trainers 100% take credit for that. Like, I don't care about any of that. Like, I want to see – my ultimate goal is longevity. Like, I want, I want you know, Quinny Hughes one day when he has kids to, you know, not have to walk around with, with crutches to chase them around, or, or, or you for that matter, right? Like, that's what matters to me long term. Second part to that is, yeah, I think we can have an effect on the game as far as speed and power, 100%. Like, uh, you know, if you can't skate now, you kind of can't play, right? That's what they say. And, I, you know, I think we can help improve a guy's mobility, um, flexibility to give him the range of motion he needs to improve his skating. But you need a skating coach to teach you that, right? So mm -hmm. um, I don't think we can make guys better skaters. But, like, to get someone's first three steps faster, uh, I'm very confident that we can do that in the weight room. Um, but to say that that's the reason that this guy scored 50 goals or 60 goals, well, no. Like, especially at the high level with, with these kids that are just freaks. Like, like Cole Caulfield. Like, I've been training him for three years. He scored plenty of goals before I met him. <laughs> like, he's going to score yeah. plenty of goals yeah. after after me, too. So, And he's uh, got that quickness and, and the speed. Um you know, it's funny you mentioned genetics because, and I'll tell you, my last uh, season in Boston, before I came back to Montreal, we did all the testing. And we had a young kid on the team, Wes Waltz, rookie. So we did um, all the testing. We did max VO2. Now, I've always been top one, two on the team. I was number two after Bork on the Bruins, okay? We get the results. 
and Mike Boyle comes in the room and he reading the results off. He said, Ray Bork and Chris Island too. And then, and Wes Waltz was like number fucking 42. Okay. So he goes, he's, and Mike said, anybody get any questions? Wes is waving his hand. He's Mike, what the fuck? He said, I, I, I can't believe these fucking tests. I don't believe them. He said, you know, I was here the same time as Knuckles and took the test. He had three cups of coffee and three cigarettes before he got on the fucking bike. And he came <laughs> in second. And, and it was true. Like, and he didn't understand it, but the genetics involved in that, like I was, I had good length, like I could stay on the ice long, although I didn't, I mean, I had the odd long shift, but I was a really good second half fighter because I could last. And I had that, that was natural. When you have that naturally, can you build on that? Can For you, sure. can you, what are some of the things you can take advantage of working out when you have that? Yeah, I, I, I think for sure. I, I, you can definitely build up energy systems, you know, like you can, you, you can, it's a hundred percent. It's a, it's an energy system. You can build it, right. You can build your, your capacity. Um, there's also studies out there now, like there's zero correlation between off ice VO2, a bike VO2 test and on ice. It's completely different. Yeah. Um, I can't quote that now, but I could, I, I could email you one. Um, if you wanted to see it, but there's no correlation to that. Right. So like, how do you, I, I'm just a big believer and I've learned this at the program. Like we, you know, we have, and we're lucky, like we have some pretty fancy equipment here. Like we have a load management system, which a lot of teams use now. And we periodize practices. Like we do all of it on the ice in the summertime. We use bikes, we use sleds, you know, we have a specific energy system we're working every day, whether it's a lactic or lactic work or, or you know, max capacity work. Um, so yeah, you can definitely build on it, but exactly like once some guys, like my brother would score like Lance Armstrong type scores, uh, on that VO2 bike test, but you know, he never played in the NHL. So and he, he was pretty, he's a pretty decent player. I just, it's, you have this variable of skating, right? And I think, I just think it all needs to be done on the ice. And uh, it, we kind of, the program kids, like we're kind of proof of that. Like we destroyed the combine this year. None of us did very good on the VO2. But there's, you know, at world championships at U18s, like there was zero question we were the most in shape team. And we, we assaulted everybody we played. We were be we were the best second period team at, at our, you know, our age in, in the world. Uh, we, you know, you could see it. But we do it all on the ice. It's all, all on the ice. So you, go ahead. How many guys you train NHL guys in the summer? <laughs> uh, this summer has been insane, actually. Uh, I actually, I did some boxing today, Buster, to kind of celebrate uh, getting to see you again today uh, with a couple a couple of my kids. You're like the most famous hockey player uh, at, up, up here at yeah. the program. I was telling like, what are you doing yeah, today? Most I'm famous, doing... like, uh, yeah, yeah, what, a podcast, spitting chick? Yeah, like, no one knows me. Oh, yeah, they all love you, man. <laughs> it's fucking joke. All the boys love you. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like picture on my desk. <laughs> How many guys, though? A like, lot how of many guys. NHL guys? Uh, we have about 22 uh, like NHL contracted guys in Chicago, uh, in Plymouth this summer. Um, Jack and Quinn um, were – and uh, the, the Hughes family was super supportive of me uh, when I moved up here, you know, very much like Timmy was when I started. Uh, they were – they committed to live here, uh, made Plymouth their home or, or Michigan their home. First couple of years, it was just us and, and them, and, you know, we have – 
we had about 99 guys here this summer, about 25 of them, 20, 25 of them were NHL guys. Uh, we do like uh, junior and college players too. Okay. Uh, but Jack Quinn, Cole Caulfield, uh, Trevor Zegris is here, Johnny Beach, Zach Wierenski, uh, Mark Shifley is training here this summer. Um, He's a good kid. Ronnie Atar. We have, we have a, a bunch of guys. I mean, it's a great Okay, spot. so we get all those names. That's great. Yeah. Um, how about you? What is your day look like what time do you get up in the morning and do you start with groups do you do, do personal shit with them or do you just you take a, one group one day another group the next what's your day like it must you must be fucking up at five and like you know going to bed at nine o'clock at night for christ's sake well this summer yeah for sure i mean i'm up i mean he's googling you know, exercises Still trying to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he got the rubber bands what out again. He's going back to Timmy's YouTube rubber bands. Like how to how to train an athlete? Like he starts, yeah, yeah he starts his day off figuring that out. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Brian. No, it, um, <laughs> no, I think well, thank God we're past that. Uh, no, I'm up about four thirty five. Um, work out if I can. I've tried to because just getting older, I, I kind of have to do that. My so I energy wise can make it through the day. Right. Um, I haven't done that enough the last couple of weeks, but usually up yeah, breakfast, workout. Uh, we have a, a group of college players um, at seven, seven thirty. Um, our first pro group is at eight, eight thirty, um, and then we have another pro group at nine and nine thirty. Then those guys all go on the ice uh, right after their their workouts, typically. Um, and then we have junior groups after that. That all usually ends around two three o'clock. Um, but this summer I have a pretty big staff turnover. Um, so I've been working with the staff, kind of coaching them up and then we work with Compuware youth hockey up here. So I've been helping out with some of those sessions too. Uh, it's, it, it's a lot of energy out, you know, not just, yeah. uh, not physically, but just emotionally, like it's, it's a lot of players. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I like the and you're speaking from like uh, the Chicago situation, right? This is all Chicago What's that? or is this? This, this is, is like all Michigan. Plymouth. Yeah. Oh, this is all, this Michigan. Is all Michigan. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Chicago's yeah. going to Pat's got the same exact setup there. My brother runs all the Chicago stuff and I don't think they have as many NHL guys, but they, they got a good group of pros there too. I think it's more like in the 15 range. It's not, it's a really dense like hockey population in Michigan. Uh, I think Chicago, we, we really benefited from the Hawks winning those cups and guys were living there in the summer and, partying there in the summer so there's a lot of guys around uh michigan a little different but the skates here are incredible like there's a, and there's other i have competitors up here that are awesome uh that's been probably the coolest part of being in michigan is you know in chicago there isn't we don't really have that uh we're we're kind of it but uh here there's some really good there's some other programs that are really good and there's just a lot of hockey players here it's pretty cool so your that's, days are long you got long, that, long um, days. that, you know, spent, you, I can see how you could be spent emotionally and, and, and you're dealing with all these personalities. Okay. You got, I always looked at the, some of the greatest players ever to live as just being natural. They know LaFleur never fucking worked out, you know, um, Lemieux, Gretzky, all these fucking guys never worked out. I know the game is different today, but that being said, you're training guys. I'm not asking you to throw anybody under the bus. You can if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, <laughs> how do you handle that lazy fucker that we all don't like? That lazy fucker. Because, honestly, as a player, I fucking hated that when I saw guys dog it. I hated seeing guys dog it, whether it's in the gym or whether it's on the ice, whatever. 
how do you deal with those lazy guys that need a push? Like, how do you motivate them? Say, you know? Yeah, um, I'd be totally honest with you about that. Like, you know, I have a blue collar mentality, you know, and I have a, a, that's my background. That's where I came from. I don't have uh-huh. time for that shit. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be like that, you, there's, you go train down the street. Pack a lunch. Yeah. See you later, man. And yeah. I, I, I've never really encountered, I've encountered one player, uh, you know, and I, I mean, when I started doing this, I mean, I was living in one bedroom with my wife and my son. Like, we, I mean, it, it was hard, you know, and, uh, and my, and, you know, the summer dominates my life and it was very hard to manage training like general population people and like, okay, in the summertime, I'm going to have to do all this with these guys. So it took a long time to actually like make a good living doing this. Um, and I had a player uh, probably 10 years ago, a couple years into our training with Buster um, that I sat down with and I did my homework on him. I, I try to, especially with pros, what their habits are like, what their lifestyles like, what people are saying about them. And then I sit down and have kind of a meeting. And I had a player that had really bad habits. Uh, you know, it was probably, I mean, probably didn't even brush his damn teeth. I mean, he came in, he was disgusting, he's fat. Um, and I just sat him down, I asked him, and I asked every player this, why are you here? And, you know, oh, I want to play in the NHL or whatever. I'm here for this kid specifically. It was like, I'm just here for training. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, why are you here? You know, you're a first round draft pick, man. Like, you you know, you're eighth overall or whatever he was. And he's like, oh, I was 15. I'm like, oh. That attitude is why you're here. You know, like yeah. you're a stud. You shouldn't be here, you know. And we had a good time. I'm like, and I'm, I'm like, you want me to tell you why you're, why you're here? And he's like, yeah, why do you think I'm here? I'm like, I think you're here because you're disgusting. Like, cause you're fat, cause you're lazy. You don't, you don't sleep. You have no, your habits suck. And I'm like, if you want to do this, I'm in, but it's gotta be all in. And he did it, man. Like he committed, uh, I had to train him one-on-one. He couldn't even be with the group cause it was, it was embarrassing. Uh, but he turned it around, you know? And I, I think I learned yeah. a lot from that situation because, you know, that's a guy that should be in the NHL and, you know, he ended up playing, uh, had an awesome career in Europe, but like, I really saw like how quickly they forget about you, you know, like he had mm-hmm. to move on, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I never played. I, I can't relate to that. I, I just know what I see. Uh, and it's, it's crazy. Uh, that experience, you know, I, that's why I've never went to a pro team an NHL team to work. Cause like, I, I it's not something I really want to deal with. Like I like being the some fun summer guy and become friends with that. My, you know, I love all my, I owe everything to Buster and the players I've yeah, had. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. I do. <laughs> no, but the program you don't. is Stop. different. You know, like the, being at the program. Like, royalty checks, Tim. Royalty checks. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I miss the, the Buster's probably the last player to ever give me a tip. Uh, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you know what you're talking about? Like in the program, though, at the U.S. national team, I mean, I don't know. Those kids are these are the best of the best. Do you really get any like kind of lazy mentality there in the gym or No, because if you have a lazy mentality, you're you're toast, man. Yeah. Like you're gonna have a this is a hard place. It's a hard place for a kid. It's a hard place to go through it. They go through it, the age they go through it. But the cool part for me, it's the one guy from every team that if I told them to eat the turf, they'd eat the turf. If I told them that, you know, we're we're gonna smash hockey sticks over each other's heads today, they're gonna do it. And they're it's that one guy. And I think there's always a couple that have to adjust to it's a it's hard, man. It's a hard play. Like the practices, like the, when I first got here, Seth Appert and wrote they were like, All right, the team's down the gym. There was no like introduction. It was a lot like starting with you. It was like, go. And I went to the gym and I got this group of athletes and like they suck at everything. Uh 
but how quickly they adapted. And I was just like, I was coaching like crazy. Um, and I never really saw him practice. And I went out to practice. It was like three weeks in and I was like, Holy shit, man. Like, all right, they really are athletes. You know, I mean, it was just all out warfare, uh, every, every single day. And I mean, if you ask any player that comes here, like practices, games are nothing like how we practice and train every day. There's no way I was, could have went through something like this at this age. It, it's a hard place. Uh, what do you, what do you, you know, mean the, by the that? What do you mean is, though by like, uh, they yeah. sucked at everything? Like, like, so do you think like hockey, oh. like what do the hockey guys do wrong? Like when they're training, like, you know what I mean? Like obviously. Well, what, what I, I, I mean, I, I do things I think very different than how it was done before. And like, so I'll give you, this is, this is my experience. My first day. <clears throat> I go on the turf. They're all sitting on the turf. Uh, hey, I'm Brian. I'm the new strength coach. Uh, we're going to start dynamic stretching. So we're going through a stretch and they're all like wobbling and falling over. And yeah. I was like, holy crap. So I walk over to the water fountain to get a drink. And I seriously, I had like a small like anxiety attack. Like I have this whole plan and I can't do it. I can't do it. These guys can't do shit. And, I, and I'll never forget it. I'm standing by, none of them can see me, you know, having this, this anxiety attack. And I just got it together and I went back in and I'm like, all right, here's the deal. I'm like, this gym sucks. I'm changing everything. I'm like, you guys all suck. I'm like, the goal today is to get from terrible to bad. And we just start moving. I don't think we touched the weight for the first like four or five days. It was just speed work, mobility, move, just getting them to move again, you know, and uh, how I wanted to move. And but how quickly they adapted. I was like, damn, man, they were like they're they're they were legit, you know. And then I just destroyed yeah, you get their attention, that. right? Yeah, yeah you get exactly. their attention. You got, yeah, I got that's it. That's awesome. And, and I was lucky. The O2 group, like I owe those kids a ton, man. Like they taught me so much. Uh, I'd like to think they needed me. Like they were the that birth year that everybody's like, oh, this is the worst birth year. Like I think you kissed my ass. Like those kids were nasty. Like we had Jake Sanderson on the team. Like come on. It's a great birth year. Like I don't know if we had the goal scoring, but that group was such a team. Who else was on that and, team? What team was uh, yeah, Thomas Bordalo, Sanderson, Clevin, uh, Ty Smolanic, um, Brock Faber. A lot of the guys, none of them have broke the league yet. It's a lot, a lot of like second, third round draft picks. Um, some really good defensemen. Drew Camesso was a starting goalie. Uh, I think the Hawks drafted him. Um, but just a great like. Like for me, coming up here, like the the, the culture side was the challenge. Like being a coach. That's been the hardest part of being with with the program for me is like being being an asshole, like being a coach. You know, like it's a just completely different mentality. Like I almost have to train myself. Like there's a switch I have to turn on right around this time of year where I just become a coach and and I'm not the the trainer anymore. That you know goes to the guys' weddings and wears a tank top. You know, and like hangs out and has fun. Yeah. It's just a different, it's a, it was a challenge. Uh, but I had two great coaches to coach me through it. And that group coached me through it. Like they were such a tight team, you know, almost like, uh, remember the Titans type of group, you know, like just a great group of kids that played for each other, that trained for each other. Uh, and I got to be around that and see it. And it was, and that was your first, that was team? a group that got, that was the first team. They were first team. Yeah. And, and then you then went, COVID and then happened. You- yeah, but then you got like Go the ahead. teams today now. I mean, no, because we they talk about these, you know, the USA hockey how it's evolved. But like, you know, you got that's a group of guys that no one's really broke the league. But now you train, you know, Caulfield, Zegers, all these like unbelievable. So players. I so so to touch on like, like I had the O ones too. 
Um, yeah. But only for spring. Like, they lost world championships. They came back. And I got to see, like, how different the two teams were. <laughs> you know, like, I had this 0-2 team that was like, do whatever I said. And then the 0-1s, they come walking in the first day. And, I mean, it was like they knew they were the shit, you know. I mean, they're the best birth year to ever be here. And they acted like it. And I put, I was like, I had this whole like combine prep program for them. Like what a joke. Like they wouldn't shut up. I mean, it's Trevor Zegras, it's Cole, it's, uh, you know, all these big mouth, big personalities, uh, Alex Turcotte, like, and they were great. Uh, but they didn't need me. <laughs> you know, like, what a team. What a freaking they, they, team that yeah, was, right? Oh, what a team, yeah. man. It's unbelievable. So I, I started doing like these like conditioning workouts for them and, uh, like what hard workouts and they like they just got louder and they wouldn't shut the fuck up every i mean they're just <laughs> chirp everything we did was easy so i change i'm like uh, all right i'm just gonna crush these dudes and i make it even harder and they just get louder like every day and they're having a blast and i was just like what a polar opposites you know uh, yeah. and then the old ones come in they're like yes sir no sir like <laughs> well that's great when you get listen when you get talented athletes that buy in and they're gonna train that's awesome and and the younger kids are hungry and they want there's so much money now to be made in the NHL. And I go back to listen, and my time was different, there's no question. Tim was his time was different. But you know, Christ, I always look at it now. All right, defensemen can play a little longer, you know, depending on talent and where they are. Um forwards, I, I got I, I base it off what happened to me. I turned thirty four fucking years old. And I'm telling you, I, I, and you can't in your head say it's really happening, but you know it's happening. You can't project that in the room. But that 34-year-old forward, and the way I played the game, I beat the shit out of myself. But, man, it, I, I felt it slipping away from me. And it's really hard for players to come to grips with that. Do you train any older guys that age where they're – they're near the end. They're fucking struggling with shit. And it's like, you know, it's coming. It's coming. And how, how, how do you deal with them if you if you do have some of those guys? Yeah. I mean, I've seen some guys, you know, go through retirement. Uh, Buster, you know, one of them. And, and seeing that transition. Rennie Bork. Uh, you know, I can't relate to that and what, what that's like on the ice, you know. Um, I think seeing it in the gym uh, and how hard these younger guys train um, – I think, you know, what you said, I think I, I never thought of that. I think you're totally right. Like the defenseman versus the forwards, how the, how it's changed. Like Patrice Bergeron, I think to me is like one of the best players probably A ever. Freak. Like, But I mean, how detailed you got to be at that age to, uh, I mean, how you, like Tom Brady is a great example of that. Like how great you, what you have to do, like energy wise for nutrition, training, massage, body care, like all that's like it. It, that's hard. That's hard for anybody. You like, know, do you like, think, think Chris? It, do you no think Chris how, play? Do you think Chris can like he would if he trained the way training is today? Like, do you think he's playing longer in his career? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Chris, who? Sorry, no, Nylon. Chris, Nylon. Chris I just pointed. I pointed. Oh, pointed you? Like, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, could you? Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. I thought I said somebody. Yeah. No, I do. You know what? <laughs> that's awesome. I think. Uh, what, listen, Chris, listen to what you're just saying, Chris. I think. So one thing we didn't do a lot back in the day was on the ice in the summer, right? Like yeah. get off the ice, take a break. Like I, I think Rennie wouldn't pull his equipment out until like August. <laughs> like, no, no, hey, he man, didn't you... take it out until October. <laughs> yeah, like bro, no, November, to... I think. You got to get on the ice here. <laughs> no. um, there's some, I, and this is just my personal opinion. Um, 
and from a player from Buster, I think if we had Brian Kane, the skills coach, and how we manage on ice now and the off ice together, I think you play a long ass time, man. Like you're a smart hockey player. Like you're real, you're athletic, could move. Like I'm not not pumping your tires, but like these these skills coaches or whatever you want to call them, tactical guys. I think how these kids like they are learning the game on a level now that like again weight room where get trainers get this credit like Brian Kane needs the credit you know uh, Brandon Arado these uh, you know there's Matt or Adam Oates like these guys spend a lot of time now like studying hockey and uh, to a, I just don't understand it I mean I watch it as a fan you know I want to see the big hits and uh, and that kind of thing I really think those guys should get the guys that put the detail into really learning the craft uh, at a really high level. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with longer. that. I also, th- I also think this is my opinion and maybe, but like, I do think like 90% of it is what you do away from the gym. Are you sleeping? Right? Are you drinking? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. think uh, you can, you can be as strong as you want, but if you're not like taking care of yourself away, um, it could in the long run, just kind of, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you but... intertwine that nutrition in with the training and stuff, or does somebody else do that? No, we do all of it. I mean, well, we do all their supplementation, like pre, post, or pre, intra, and post workouts. Uh, we give a, a lot of nutritional guidance. It's, it's, we're not like you know Gary Roberts or something where we have like a chef and all that on staff. Uh, I give the players as much help as we can. I mean, it's really weight gain, you know, that that really needs the help. You, you, we're not getting a lot of body composition uh, players anymore. I mean, these kids are in shape now. So um, no, I haven't had a ton of, have to do a ton of nutrition, but yeah, we give them a lot of guidance for sure. And I have a couple of nutritionists I I refer out to uh, if players need more help. But, uh, you know, Andrew Kopp uh, is a great example. I I think a guy, kind of what you're talking about. He looks like he could be a porky guy. No, he's in great shape. (laughs) Okay. but he, he, the detail to what he does in the weight room, away from the weight room at home, I mean, he probably spent more on training than some of these guys making $10 million a year when he wasn't. And every year he's gotten better and better and better. I mean, the guy trained yeah. himself. Like he, he wrote his own program and he showed yeah. it to me uh, and just started working with us the last two years. You know, he just signed a, a huge deal. But it, it's all due to like his habits and and what he does away from the gym. Like yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Back like I said, like we didn't really have any of that. My early years, like seventy nine through the early eighties, and then you know start, new things started to come in, and they talked about training and nutrition a little bit. But you know, one of the things I did, I think, really helped me in my career. And listen, I always. Lifted, but not crazy. I, I just did low weight, a lot of reps, rode the bike a lot. I used to do periods on the bike, right? I do six shifts a period. I'd sprint a minute, take a minute off, sprint a minute. And then I do, you know, I'd, I'd put the bike all the way up and I'd stand up and pedal for a minute as hard as I could and then sit down for a minute. So I'd, I'd, I'd play two games every time I did it. But one of the things I really did that I think helped me huge was stretching back in that day. I never had a pull groin. I never fucking pulled the muscle. The one thing that happened to me that screwed me up and it happened in a fight, I went backwards and kind of lost my balance, and I tore um, uh, my groin in my inguinal canal, and I had the, the hockey hernia, which back then no doctor wanted to touch it. I had to go to British Columbia. They 
did a surgery. They fixed me up. It was unbelievable. When I, I was in New York at the time, and not one fucking doctor there wanted to touch me with that. I couldn't believe it. I had to fly to fucking Vancouver to get it done. And I think for me, the stretching was so key. Like I said, when guys pull the groin, you know, like we'd be going to Boston or Philadelphia, someone have a groin pull. It's like, okay, you got a fucking groin pull. Sure. Like I never understood what a groin pull was. I just didn't because I never had one. And anyway, I just think the stretching part for me helped me. I mean, I ended up playing 13 years. It helped me have the longevity that I had. Yeah, if I, I didn't mean, stretch that's, like I did. That's a good fuck, point though. Like, fucked. can you, can you overtrain, right? Like, can you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like Brian, like that's actually a question. Like what do you, what's your feel, thoughts <clears throat> on like overtraining? And you know, is there anything that's being like kind of pushed today that you don't agree with? You know, I know you on Instagram, you see guys doing pull ups. Great you know, question, so, Tim. Yeah, yeah. You know, Tim, that's it, a great question. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. No, I, I think uh, you can 100% overtrain. I think we overtrained that first summer with you for sure. And we had this like lower body day that was like two hours long. And you're like, is this, should it be this long? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like, this yeah, whatever, man. Like, it, <laughs> we, we totally overtrained back then for sure. Uh, sorry. Um, but what we taped. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't right? be like, here. We, we taped. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, ahead. you definitely can overtrain. I think it's different for, for different players on what they need as far as like flexibility and, and mobility. Like uh, Jake McCabe is super mobile, probably needs to not stretch as much and tighten things up opposed to some players that don't have that mobility that need a lot of flexibility training. I think that's something kind of a balancing act. Um, you know, as far as like things I don't like in training, um, I mean – it's, it's just to be, it's different for everybody. You know, like I, I don't barbell back squat a lot of guys anymore. You know, I, I try to pick movements. I think that, that like, I'm trying to build a hockey player. Like who gives a shit who can lift the most weights, you know, and who we're not trying to be, it's not CrossFit. Um, but I, I do th think there are some things that fundamentally guys need to just do. Like you need to squat. You need a little period of time where you get stronger. I think what I see on Instagram or social media or whatever you, uh, is you know all this well we don't need to weight train anymore don't need to, you know we can just do mobility and all this stuff all summer well good luck going up against my players if you do that you know we're gonna assault you like because that's wrong it's it's 100 wrong i think where you know from 16 to 23 like you you never get to be that age again and you can handle a lot like a ton of volume and build your body to, to, to what it needs to be to, to play at a high level. Um, after that, the plan changes, you know, and then after your, your peak at 26, 27, 28, the plan changes again. Um, I, I would never like judge anyone's programming or how they train players uh, and how they do things. I just know how we do it and uh, try to just keep learning and, and get better every year. I mean, I think so, in the end, we're all just repurposing what other people do. Like we're okay. not, nobody invented strength and conditioning like you know charles Paulquin stole a bunch of uh, books from russia translated them and yeah. sold a certification that we all go through right yeah. like, they, uh, they over they over train stuff. in russia though i can tell you that for sure yes yeah <laughs> they over train yeah and if you don't train they cut your fucking yeah. balls off that's what they do <laughs> yeah. yahoo yeah it's so so bright um it, 
all that being said, you know, the young athletes, the middle of the road, the guys are a little older. What's the, you, what is that one piece of advice that you would give to every one of them that you train? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and I, I do like uh, these life skills talks now because uh, for a lot of youth teams, because I just, I truly, being at the program, with USA Hockey and a representative of USA Hockey now, I think more kids need to know what we do and how we do it. Um, and the, the, a big word that's used, maybe even overused now within sports, is culture uh, and driving culture. And I think what I've learned from, from guys like Buster uh, and, and even, even Rennie and, and Gomer and, uh, you know, even Al Montoya, all these guys back, like, we had a great group of, I guess, your AHL guys in Chicago. Uh, you want to make it pro, in my opinion. I never played, so I'm not, you know, I didn't do what you guys did. I, you know, I've worked hard in my life to be, to be where I'm at. Uh, is fucking work. Like every kid, I, I always, ask, I start to talk out, like, who wants, what do you, where do you want to go with hockey? Why are you playing AAA hockey? Because your parents are crazy and they want you to play every day. And all the kids, you know, they're all, well, we want to play in the NHL. Mm. And it, I think it's real easy to raise your hand, you know, and, and, and do that. It's a whole nother thing to fucking do it. And that's what the kids don't understand. That's what kids' parents don't understand. What, uh, you know, and I think it's my job or I try to, you know, tell them the truth. You want to compete against Conor McDavid? Well, this is what you got to fucking do because you're not as good as him. And, or you're not yeah. Patrick Kane. You know, I, these kids like have this, there's a different generation right now. You know, uh, it's, it, it, these kids, it's, totally different these kids need to be treated differently um i was very hard on a, a couple of the birth years here that i gotta be a different coach you know and i but i think that's my one piece of advice it's kind of a, a long answer but work fucking yeah. work like you really want to do it and really figure out what you what you need to do and sacrifice you want to score more goals get your ass up in the morning like cole caulfield doesn't score those goals on accident that kid put more time in the shooting room we have here than any other player to probably ever be in the program uh Jacob Truscott is a great example of a player that, you know, he's got to come to the program. He's competing against the best players in the world every day. And now he's working on being an incredible defenseman, shut down D-man, because he wants to break the league. And he, and he doesn't have the skill probably that Luke Hughes has. So, you know, what did God give you? Figure it out and learn how to fucking work. Work, work, work. But there's you know, no it's other, funny. No other answer <laughs> to it. And I love that you say that again, um, because, you know, you hear today – Everybody said, oh, it's so fucking cliche in hockey. Hard work, hard work. But fucking hard work in hockey. That's one thing. If you work, you... I play with guys that have more fucking talent that if they, they scored 50 goals, but they did it a couple times, they could have done it every fucking year if they had that drive, that intensity, that work ethic. And a, a lot of times guys can do it for a while, but they can't sustain it. And they just fucking, they become an average fucking player, you know? And, you know, listen, I was a 17th round pick. I ain't blowing my own horn. I fucking hardly, not hardly skate, goals. I could skate, but I had to improve. I had to improve my skating. Fuck, I could fight. I'll fucking fight anybody. But to stay in the league 13 years, you got to be able to play. And, and, and that happened, but it happened through fucking hard work, not fucking, oh, yeah. give me the no, ice time. No, I, I earn the it's... fucking ice time. I think that's you know, and, and you're right. 
No, I was just going to say, you're right. Like, I No, I, I that's awesome you said that, Nux, because <clears throat> I think, you know, it's a one thing getting there. It's it's how do you stay there, you know, and in any walk of life. But I think also, too, what's really important is, like, you want to play professional hockey or, like, you're going to fail. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's You're going to fail at times, and you have to know that. And I think, you know, I get a little, not worried, but I feel like today's generation of kids, like, they don't, you know, they – they don't want to earn it. They, they feel like they deserve it. Um, and, and that's fine. That's the way things are, but that's kind of what my message would be is like, you know, I, I failed a ton. Um, you know, and that's, this comes with everything. I think, you know, it's, you're going to fail, but you got, you, you, you know what? You know. And you say that, you say that Tim, and you know, let's, let's take a guy you trained, Brian and Cole Caulfield, what he went through that year, that first year. And then his second year getting fucking sent down a guy, a kid of his stature. Here he is in Montreal. He's struggling his balls off. You know, the, obviously we could tell there was shit going on with that coach because a lot of guys were not responding to him, but it was fucking killing Cole Caulfield and everybody's going, Ooh, what happened to Cole? He gets sent to the fucking Laval, and the kid went down there and did what he had to do. He didn't fucking mope. He didn't say, oh, poor me. He fucking worked his little butt off, and he got back up. They make the coaching change, and then look what happens. Like, that mental toughness, right? Yes. That yeah. mental toughness. Yeah, uh, no, that, and, and, you know, sacrifice. and I could tell you right now, Cole, he's probably, you usually take these things that happened or happening to you, right? Like, oh, I got sent down. And eventually, you know, you're saying this happened for me, right? Like this, he's probably, you know, this was all part of the plan that he's, you know, his hard work. That's a, yeah, great point of, of what he, what he did. And, you know, that happens a lot a lot of guys but a lot of guys can't do what he did a lot of guys can't do what he did no because I'm going to tell you Ryan Palin came here and I can drop the names because I don't give a fuck but Palin (laughs) came here and and he got sent down because he was struggling and and it was in the paper and he he already admitted to it afterwards but he went down there and fucking moped moped around like I don't fucking belong here he had a fucking attitude mentally he was fucking checking out and they said, hey, you want to play in the fucking NHL? Wake up, kid. And he struggled here because he couldn't deal with all that. You know, his expectation for himself was a whole lot higher than what the team had for him. And he, he never reached that level. He's gone now. But, you know, he moped when he went to the uh, American League. Where Cole went there, as painful as it was for him, he fucking got on his horse and got working. God bless him. I love that kid. Yep. yep. You know? Yeah, it's sacrifice, right? I mean, I've seen Buster. I mean, there's a lot of – there's certain things, I think, in your life that you sacrifice to play professional hockey. I mean, I know that for a fact because you told no, me. No, I appreciate you know, that. I, I think, too, with- though, like I'll, I'll admit, though, like I've been a moper before, too. Like I, it's easy. It's like – it's almost sure. like that's natural. It's naturally easy to do that route. Like, the like you know, it's like someone who, like uh-huh. – says they could have been I you know I could have been this and that it's like you could have been but you didn't really want to because you see the road of what it's going to take to get there and you're like ah fuck that and so like yeah I get it like I've definitely have gone both ways and and you know it is easy to mope but you know the the ones that figure it out obviously like Cole you know it's it's harder to do that but you know it's great that like you said God bless him it's awesome he's a great kid I enjoyed interviewing for sure I remember I had him like my first couple of years and my into my second year. I got called up my first year halfway through, but 
you know, the next year I fuck, I fought three times the night before, and then next day I'm getting my ball skated off. Then I don't play in the next game. I don't play, and I'm like, I was starting to fucking get down. I'm like, and you know, happy Chris, fun Chris, wasn't that way in practice. I'm there. Fuck, I gotta get on my horse. But this fucking sucks. I'm gonna be treated like this. And I remember Bob Ganey came to me, the captain, he said, Chris fucking pick your chin up kid i know you're gonna play you're gonna get there but you can't fucking have your head up your ass here because that affects everybody else on the ice he said everybody's used to you being happy fucking having fun you can't come out here and 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 portray that you're having a tough time you gotta fucking suck it up now suck it up the best advice i ever got and from that day forward suck it up knuckles and you know, God bless, God bless him. I, I'm glad he came and said that to me. And fucking from then on, it was, that's why when I see guys go that way, and I get it, it is easy to mope. But boy, if you have a day you get sent down, okay, I'm bummed out. You better fucking get to work on the ice. That's it. You can't fucking mope. You can't. And uh, uh, Brian, this is our producer, Barry. Producer Barry, he always loves to come on. One and question. ask a couple questions that, like, no fucking, no human being <laughs> in the world would yeah. ever think of. No, that's an easy one because you brought it, Chris brought it up, and it's a pet peeve of mine. I'm wondering, you know, I've heard coaches always talk about how things are, you got to be mentally tough, but they never spend any time on mental toughness. They just spend time on the physical aspects of the game. So I was wondering from your perception, of looking at the players, and Chris kind of brought it up. Can you observe that kids that are mentally tough or, you know, the old grit, the new what they call grit, does distinguish them, that you can see it plays through everything, that it is a, um, an important component? And how does it how does it compare with just the physical attributes, you know? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, um I think, you know, mental toughness is, is something you can train. I think some people, because of their backgrounds and where they come from, naturally have more of it, right? Um, like Cole, we keep talking about Cole. Like, he's a mentally tough kid. You know, it's, it's not a straight line to your to achieve your goal. Like, I, I just like Buster, I mean, I failed tons of times. But those failures, I, I grew, uh, ment- became mentally tougher and, and worked through it. I see a lot of kids now that, don't do that and go the other way, uh, drugs, drinking, things like that. And, and, and pro athletes do the same thing. Um, it's, you know, for me as a strength coach, it's almost like I'm almost at the program, like a culture coach. And I try to do my best to evaluate that in the, in the way, you know, cause I spend a lot of time with the kids, probably more than the coaches in a lot of ways. Uh, and they, when they don't have helmets on and, I mean, I've seen kids, I've made a lot of kids cry here, actually. <laughs> Good. Uh, I love that. I love yeah. that. <laughs> Go play your fucking video games. Yeah. It's crazy. How do you teach a weak kid to handle rejection? Because to me, that's the most important thing, the ability to persist through rejection, basically, and failure and not give up and just keep on fighting through, kind of what, what Chris alluded to. You know, Cole Caulfield obviously has it. We use him as an yeah. example. Can you actually teach that? Is there ways to demonstrate to a kid who seems to lack it or grew up in a certain culture or atmosphere that he never had to, you know, he's always never had to really worry about rejection. At the level you guys are talking about these kids, they're probably all yeah. been stars, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a, a you know, a sports psychologist. Uh, we do have a, a, a mental health coach now at the program, but 
you know, I have five or six books. Uh, I make all the program, uh, f- six books. I make all the uh, NTDP kids read, uh, Relentless, uh, Outliers, Atomic Habits, Legacy, um, that are kind of based on mental toughness and um, uh, Can't Hurt Me is uh, one uh, NTDP kids all by uh, David Goggins. Uh, I think I don't want to say I can make them mentally tough, but I'm going to do everything I can to help them with that. And I, I, I don't think a player – they, I had a specific player, uh, you know, within the last couple of years, I, I won't name, but uh, definitely struggled here. Um, I guess, quote unquote, wasn't as mentally tough. Um, and it, it's been hard for him. And But he, he, you know, he came in, he's one of the better players and just failed. Right. Uh, and he's 16, 17 year old, like you fail, like life's over. Uh, oh. And it was it was hard. Um, but he kept working, kept working, uh, found a way to, and he's a super nice kid. Like he's a nice, just a sweet kid. Um, I, I will say his name. I'm a, uh, he's a, but that same kid, like he just made the world junior team, Hunter McCown. Like he had a hard time at the program. I guess you could say he wasn't as mentally tough and, you know, he's with all these alphas, uh, you know, but we, we became pretty good friends, him and I, and, and he, I mean, you know, to your point, Buster, like sacrifice, uh, Chris to get to the NHL, he sacrificed. He, he's from Colorado and comes here to live every summer and keeps training and keeps training. And he hasn't changed. He's still a really nice kid, but he just keeps working. And he's one of the best players in college hockey now. Like, I was so proud of him. I, I didn't even realize uh, you kind of like with so many guys, you kind of forget who's on the radar. And I get calls. I've talked to all these NHL teams about our players, and they all ask ridiculous questions. And uh, they all ask how tough they are. <laughs> and, uh, but players are asking about Hunter. Um, right. and I've just been super proud of him. So I, but I hope that answers your question. Like he didn't change. Uh, he's still the sweet, nice kid that came to the program. Is he a little tougher on the ice? Absolutely. But I think he, some of that toughness came from confidence, uh, and, and having some success, uh, uh, outside of being at the program, you know? And I think these kids here, like, you know, they get this experience of having to play on the fourth line, you know, like they don't realize that, you know, Guys in the NHL were also were the best players. You know, the guys in the fourth line were the best players on their teams growing up. So, like, you get this experience earlier. And I think it's there's so much outside noise with our youth now. Social media, coaches, agents, parents are the worst. Uh, yeah. You know, and all these outside expectations. Like, you don't need to make it at 17. You know, like, you can break but the it, league. At 20. It's crazy. It's funny. It's all or nothing because, you know, you look at junior hockey here in Canada, right? And, and you play junior, and you play a pro schedule. You play four years of it, whatever, three, four years of it. And and you either get drafted or you don't. And even if you get drafted, there's no guarantees. And you look at how many kids deal with that rejection. And some of them can take their hockey experience, okay, and carry that on t- into real life. But there's a lot of them that get fucking broken, and get stunned at such a young age, they do not know how to deal with it. And the parents often are not equipped to help them deal with it either. You know, they're fucking in the corner, putting, oh, NHL, NHL, NHL. And then next thing, the kid is dealing with really serious rejection for the first time in his life. And then where the fuck does he go? And that, I think that's something, you know, we always see the success stories. But some, a lot of these kids that play junior hockey, when it's over, man, they have a tough time making that transition in real life. It's hard enough when you're fucking 34 years old to do it. 
after playing the NHL. Never mind fucking 18, 19, 20 years old. And they're saying, see you fucking later, kid. You're no good. That's, right? the, you know, the college players too. Like uh, all of them, like you're an outlier now. Like you're 10,000 hours into your craft at 16. Like yeah. that's that's your identity. That's who you are. Like my brother went through it. Like when hockey, it was like, who who am I? What, am, I you know, I I didn't experience that, but seeing it, like, it's hard. It, it, mental health is the big topic now, right? Like, uh, I think you need to you know focus a little less. I don't not that you know professional athletes don't need that help, but it's the youth too, like the college and the junior players that, you know, you, you play you play sports for life life lessons. Like I learned how to fail in sports, which helped me later because I was so bad uh, with my coaching career. You know, I failed a ton there and I'm like, okay, this isn't the worst thing in the world. I've been cut lots of times, you know, so I, I can get through this, but our, our kids have a hard time with that. And it's, it, uh, they're going the wrong direction, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of it goes back to the parents, man, unfortunately. Well, when you have that blue call upbringing too, it certainly helps, right? When you have that blue call upbringing, and you deal with shit and adversity at a young age, and you're able to overcome some things, it helps down the road. What, what's that, Barry? You just have one last question, but it's interesting. You said That's that, it, and you're done. I'm in done. Yeah. It's All interesting right. you said that about the blue-collar stuff, because I was talking to someone this week who who teaches people, kids, on mental, on grit. Can you explain blue-collar to Barry, well, though, real quick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, but they were saying, this is interesting, I, I, I said how, you know, the, the kids that are in the poor neighborhoods can't afford the, to these curriculums. They're going to help out to quote the rich kids. And she said, the funniest thing is, it's the, a lot of times the quote the rich kids that need it more than the poor kids, because if the poor kids are getting out of that environment, if they get out of that environment, they normally have that resiliency and that mental toughness, because that's the way they got out. Mm-hmm. Where quote the rich kid, he's been you know guarded and looked over mm-hmm. and never given the opportunity you know the, to reject to fail. But here was my question: um, You mentioned if NHL scouts call you, what's the one question you think yeah. they should ask you? You know, and if you're an NHL scout and you know you're looking yeah. at these players and you're saying to yourself, "This is the question." If I was them, I'd be asking me about that player. What, I mean, what? Just wondering. They all ask how tall, they all question guys' height. And I've kind of got to the point where I'm comfortable here now and I'll say what I want to say to them. I don't really care. I'm like, and I'll write to, you're you're asking the wrong question. Ask me how long their arms are. What's their wingspan? Because hockey's played in front of you, right? Patrick Kane's arms, I think they hang down to his knees. You know, Logan Cooley's wingspan is massive. Uh, He played, you know, ask me that. Stop asking me, you know, why Tory Krug made it and, this guy didn't. I don't know. Maybe he's got alligator arms. Like, uh, you know, he's walking around like little yeah. stubby arms. Like, these guys are – it's ridiculous. Like, it's wingspan. It's wingspan. Start asking me about their, how long their arms are. That's a, I wish they would all ask that, but they don't. Uh, that's funny. Not that it doesn't matter. That's it, it been does, a pet of mine for years. I swear to God, I never understood why. You see these basketball players, they should measure them from when they go like this, you know? Yeah. These kids, yeah, yeah, they yeah, d- never understood it. We're not dunking a hockey puck. Like, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't Well, I doesn't think matter. a lot has to do with yeah, when you look at who's standing at the end, the Stanley Cup playoffs are big, strong, fast teams. And yes, you can have smaller players, but they have to be insulated. Yeah. And and that's why everybody's looking for the fucking big guy who can skate, 
and who can play. Look who Montreal just drafted, Slavkovsky over the kid right, right? The fucking guy's an animal. He's a beast. Like, like. But again, I, I really think to be standing at the end. You look at Montreal when they got to the end. Now, Price stood in his head and everything. But when they got to the end, they could not fucking make a dent in Tampa Bay. They just didn't have the horses. They didn't have the size. They had fucking Yoel Amir, their biggest guy, who's probably, you know, their biggest guy, but doesn't doesn't play big every night. He's talented and all that, but in and out. You need guys that can go out there consistently every night and take a fucking beating and be standing at the end and be productive and effective. And and if you have them little guys and you insulate them well, yeah, you're golden, no question. But listen, uh, Brian, I want to thank you for joining us today. Just awesome, uh, awesome to have you. Great to um, hear what you're doing. I'm I'm glad you've had some success here. And if anybody watching this uh, podcast today, uh, if you can do Tim and I a favor, uh, follow us, like us, and subscribe if you will. And uh, yeah, and then me and Tim will be around forever, right, Timmy? Forever. 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 Yeah. No, thanks for coming on, Brian. It's always great to catch up with you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And Buster, man, it's been, uh, there's not a, a day that goes by where I don't walk uh, in USA's weight room and look around and I'm not like, holy shit. And think about like where we were 12 years ago. Uh, I really don't. Like, and I, I owe you a, a huge uh, debt of gratitude, man. Royalty check. Royalty yeah. check. My jersey the hanging up in there. Checks. You got my Wolves jersey. My Wolves jersey I'll get it up, up in the Raptors. <laughs> No, but I do, man. You're, you're no, I appreciate I, it. Appreciate you. I, 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 vice versa. I obviously owe you a lot too. But um, yeah, enough blowing each other. Uh, anyways. yeah, enough blowing each other. You, you want to do that? Get on the phone and do it. Right. I told you Brian. to say some compliments, but you, you didn't have to go. You know, you know, no one believes you. There's so many comments. No, I appreciate it, obviously. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, and share with a friend.